you brought a Bible, go to the book of Matthew. That's the first book in your New Testament. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 this morning. We've been talking about the anointing and what the anointing does in our life. As I close out this sermon series this morning, I want to talk about uh, one more effect and uh, impact of the anointing. While you find the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, I want to mention what Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 11 says. It says that with stammering lips and other tongues, God would speak to his people. And this would be refreshing, repose, and that it would be rest. And he was talking about stammering lips and other tongues, referring to the evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The evidence of baptism in the Holy Spirit is speaking in new tongues. And God says, I'm going to pour out on my people an anointing such that they're going to speak a new tongue. And when they pray in the Spirit, they're going to receive rest. Do you know you can have rest just by praying in the Spirit? Whatever it is that's going on in your life, if you'll stop and pray in the Spirit, the Holy Ghost will give you rest. Say amen, somebody. I said the Holy Ghost will give you rest. But you know, the sad part about what Isaiah says is that the last part of that verse, it says, but they would not have it. God offered them rest, but they didn't take it. They wouldn't have what God had offered to them. Tonight, uh, this morning, I believe I'm in front of a people who want what God has for them. Is there anybody in here who would say, God, have your way in my life? And so we have a new promise, a reaffirmation of what was said in the book of Isaiah. It's right here in Matthew chapter 15, pardon, chapter 11, verse 28. You know this verse. It says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in spirit. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want to use as a subject this morning, travel light. Tell your neighbor, travel light. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. We're so blessed this morning to be in your house, this house of prayer. And I ask now that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God, and that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, anoint their spiritual ears to hear the spiritual word of God and receive the spiritual power and life that you have for us this morning. I pray that you would anoint me to preach, anoint them to hear, and that you would anoint us to do what you have to say to us today. We ask that in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. These words of Jesus are very well known. He said, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden. And Jesus there is talking about work, hard work. How many of you work hard? How many of you hardly work? Uh, this, uh, that's a trick question. I hope all of you work hard. When you work hard, something happens. And uh, I want to talk to you about that this morning because hard work makes you tired. Hard work is exhausting. And have you, uh, how many of you have ever been tired? How many of you are tired right now? Maybe you're not physically tired, but you might be spiritually tired. 
or emotionally tired or you're weary in some other aspect or area of your life. God wants to speak to people who are working hard. So this message this morning is not necessarily for people who are just kind of playing games with God. I want to talk to the people who've made up their mind, come hail or high water, I'm going to serve the Lord. Is there any, any of that kind of people in here? I want to speak to the people this morning who have a journey that you're on with God and you're committed to going the whole distance with Jesus. Is there anybody like that in here this morning? Well, look, when you go on a journey with God, it's a lifetime journey. You may have started like I did when I was a little boy, but you're going to go through this whole life on this journey with Jesus. And this journey requires a, a number of things in our life. And one of the things that happens in life is that we accumulate responsibilities. Anybody that says, I don't want any responsibilities is not really living in the real world. Because you can't just be a taker your whole life. Amen, somebody. Uh, once in a while, you're going to have to give back. You're going to have to be a contributor. And what's happening in our culture today is that a lot of people are just taking and they're not giving. Uh, we have people who take and they never replenish the things that they are taking. And the end result is that the hard workers and the laborers end up getting wearied and burdened by that. And this morning, I want to share with you on this subject, Travel Light, because... I personally do a lot of traveling. The Lord's allowed me to travel to 30 countries and uh, every state in the United States except for Hawaii. So um, I'm 49 states down, one more to go, and then I'll have traveled to every state in the United States, and then I'll start over, all right? Um, and so I've been doing a lot of traveling, and I have learned to pack light. I can pack a whole 10 days in a very small bag. In fact, this bag right here, has been with me all over the world, and I can take 10 days' worth of life in that bag and not have to worry about a thing. Uh, some of you can only dream of doing that. I have, I have seen people who, who have so much luggage at the airport, they can't hardly move. One, one time I saw a little old lady. She was sitting on top of her suitcases on the cart, and the airport employee was pushing her down the, down the corridor. So some people just don't know how to pack light. And in life, if you're going to succeed, you're going to have to learn how to pack light. That means there are some things that you cannot take with you on the journey that you are going on with God. Say amen, somebody. There are some things that just don't fit the lifestyle and the place that God has for you. And so those things need to be left out of our life. And the, the primary thing that has to be out of our lives, the one thing that Jesus came to deal with in us, is the baggage of sin. And you know that sin is tiresome. Do you know that? The Bible said that there is no rest for the wicked. They didn't make that up in the Westerns. That's actually in the Bible. There is no rest for the wicked. Say that with me. There is no rest for the wicked. Do you realize that if you decide to live without God, you live without the word of God, you want to live a rebellious lifestyle, you are going to be working hard your whole life. You're going to be always looking over your shoulder to see if your past is going to catch up with you. You're always going to be trying to stay a step ahead of the circumstances in your life. Because God won't let the wicked rest. For a little while, the wicked will seem like they're having a good day. But sooner or later, life will catch up with you. Say amen, somebody. And so the thing that we need to get out of our life is sin. The only way to get sin out of your life is to invite Jesus into your life. 
And so when you, when you are walking around in your life with sin, the, the weight of sin, the Bible says, easily entangles us. It's very hard to run a race carrying sin around. And you know, some of you are already believers, you're already Christian, but there's some little sins in your life you haven't quite let God deal with yet. There's that closet that you have at the back of the house that you say, Lord, uh, you can have access to the whole house, bless the kitchen, bless the living room, bless the bedrooms, but don't go in that closet. That closet is mine, it's my personal space, and that's where you keep your private personal uh, sins. You know what sin is? Sin is missing the mark. Sin is not getting done what God wants done in your life. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible said that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So guess what? Your preacher has a sin bag just like you do. Say amen, somebody. There isn't anybody perfect in this world. The elders of this church, the deacons in this church, the ushers, the church members, you this morning, wherever you are in life, there's a sin problem because, you see, there's a nature inside of man that is the nature of sin. And until sin is dealt with in your life, sin will be a burden and a baggage to you. Number one, it will be a burden to your day-to-day life. Because instead of making progress, sin will always make you go backwards. Sin will always cost you more than you intended to pay. And it will take you further than you thought that you would go. And then sin costs you because of guilt and shame. You know, some people carry around the baggage of things they did 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. They haven't been able to get past it. They're still carrying around the guilt and the shame of who they were and what they used to do. But you see, friend, you're going to carry that around for your whole life unless Jesus comes into your life. Jesus is the only one that can deal with sin in your life. Say amen, somebody. This morning, we took the Lord's Supper. We, we, we ate the bread and we drank the cup. We, we, we drank the cup which represents his blood. Can I just tell you this morning that the blood of Jesus washes away sin. The blood of Jesus can take away the burden of sin in your life. And even when you do sin, if you just go to him and repent, his blood will cleanse you and make you a new man and a new woman. Is there anybody in here that's new in Christ? Anybody in here that knows the forgiving power and grace of Jesus? If you do, shout amen. amen. You see, we can't make too much of the blood. Some people don't want to sing about the blood anymore. Some people don't want to talk about the blood of Jesus anymore. Some preachers don't even mention the blood of Jesus anymore. Well, I'm still going to preach the blood and we're still going to sing about the blood because what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, Kingsway. I'm talking about the cleansing blood of Jesus that makes sinners clean, that makes the blackness of your sin white like snow. Come on, somebody. Give God praise for the blood of Jesus. That is able to deliver you from the power and the yoke of sin that is in your life. When you give, when you give your heart to Jesus, he comes into your life and he takes that burden of sin out of your life. Brother Danny, would you just come and take this? The Bible said that he comes and he takes, he takes your sin and he buries it in the deepest part of the ocean. You know that you keep dragging up your sin? God already buried it. Say amen, somebody. He buried it in the deepest part of the ocean. He buried it so deep that the Bible said God buries it and remembers it no more. God doesn't even remember what you did. Did you hear me this morning? I said God doesn't even remember what you did. 
So why are you bringing it up? Why are you thinking about, well, you know what I did last week, what I did last summer? Don't worry about that. If it's under the blood, it's gone. Jesus has dealt with it in your life. And God doesn't even remember. Your neighbor might not forget. Your mama may not forget. Your wife may not forget. But when you talk to God, God doesn't know anything about it. He has put it under the blood. Come on, somebody. Get excited about that because that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me just be real with you this morning. Can we be real this morning? Even after you've dealt with sin in your life, there's still bags on the journey. And you still have to pack light. And I want to talk this morning about five areas of your life where you have responsibilities. And these responsibilities will wear you out if you don't do it right. So if you have ever been overwhelmed or ever been tired, I want you to listen close. And if you think you're about to get overwhelmed and about to be tired, listen up. Because God's talking to you this morning. He sent me this morning with a very simple message. But I have to deal with these five areas of our life that, uh, that become burdens to us. Now listen, these five areas of your life aren't going to go away. You can come to the altar and pray about them, and God will help you with them, but he's not going to take them out of your life. The first area I want to talk about is our spiritual responsibility. How many of you are spiritual? That's about 40% of you, all right? Let's see, how many of you are spiritual? This is a big one. Does it look heavy? You know that the spiritual bag in your life is so important that if you want to go to heaven, you've got to be spiritual. You've got to have a new birth. You've got to have a salvation experience with God. And these are some of the responsibilities of being a Christian. You've got to have prayer in your life. Do you know that prayer is a responsibility? Shout amen. Do you know that you and I can talk to God any day, all the time? The Bible said that God rewards prayer. How many of you want to be rewarded? Then pray. We're in the middle of 21 days of fasting and prayer. And you know that prayer is hard work. I don't mean it's hard work because you've got to please God. I mean prayer is hard work because sometimes you're praying for a rebellious daughter and you just can't see how they're going to come back to Christ. Sometimes prayer is hard work because you're praying for a husband that doesn't seem like it's ever going to change. Sometimes prayer is hard work because you're praying against a disease that's destroying the life of one of your family members. And you just wonder, God, where's the healing that we read about in the Bible? Am I talking to anybody this morning? And you've got to decide, I'm going to pray through this. I'm going to pray until something happens. I'm going to pray until there's a breakthrough in my life. I'm going to pray until there is a change in this matter. And then you have the responsibility of being in the Word. How many of you have a Bible? If you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. Sell your house if you have to, but buy a Bible and keep that Bible in your life. Because the Bible is the most important book that you will ever read. It's the Word of God. And you have a responsibility to the Word of God. Because when you read the Word, it gives you wisdom. When you read the Word, it gives you direction. It gives you the, the will of God expressly revealed for your life. And so don't let anybody tell you that Bible study or preaching is, is easy. If you're going to be a good preacher, if you're going to be a good Bible teacher, it's going to require some hard work. It's going to require you staying up and burning the midnight oil. You can't, you can't have a ministry where you just say, well, you know what, I'm going to wait till about 10 o'clock on Saturday night and then go on, uh, on Google and find sermons.com and preach myself a sermon from there that's going to bless people. No, if you want to preach something that's going to bless people, you've got to be on your face before God. You've got to be in the Word. You've got to know what is God saying to us. Come on, somebody. And that requires... It requires labor. It requires time. It requires commitment. Then there's the spiritual responsibility of fasting. How many of you fast? 
Do you know that Jesus did not say if you fast? He said when you fast. Say when you fast. That means Jesus assumed that you were going to fast. But Jesus assumed that every once in a while we were going to go without a meal. That every once in a while we're going to go without eating and we're going to devote some time to prayer and to seeking his face. That's a responsibility. And it can be, it can be a, a, a burden sometimes as you fast. There's also the responsibility of witnessing, telling other people about Jesus and making your life a living testimony and being a good, a, a, of good reputation. So that when people see you, they'll glorify the God that you serve. Am I talking to anybody this morning? You know it does matter if you put a fish on the back of your car how you drive. Say amen, somebody. If you're going to have a bumper sticker on the back of your car that says Jesus is Lord, then Jesus better be Lord when you're driving in traffic, all right? Jesus better be Lord of your attitude too. And you can't handle that, just don't put a bumper sticker on your car. But you know Jesus has given us this responsibility to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that responsibility is mine as well as yours. I, 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 I'm the preacher here, but you're a preacher too. You're a preacher at your job. You're a preacher in your house. You're a preacher at school. Everywhere you go, you have the responsibility of being a witness for Christ. Then we have the spiritual act of giving. You know that giving is not a financial thing. It's a spiritual thing. When you give, there's a spiritual reality that happens there. When you give, you're not just, you're not just releasing money out of your life. You're actually releasing faith into God's life. And you're saying, Lord, I believe that you're going to plant, that this seed that I'm planting is going to bear fruit in my life. And then when you give and you tithe, you're taking on that responsibility. And you're saying, God, I'm going to honor you because of the covenant that you have agreed with me. That you said you would open up the windows of heaven. And you would pour out a blessing upon me, such as I would not have room enough to receive. And that you would do all of these things in my life. And then we have the responsibility of fighting the good fight of faith. You know that you have to wake up fighting. You have to wake up spiritually swinging because the enemy is already awake ahead of you with a plan and a strategy for destroying your life. And you've got to wake up with your battle gear on and know that you are dressed in the anointing of the Spirit of God and that there is a fight to fight and a fight to win. Come on, somebody. If you decide, well, I'm just going to take it easy, guess what? You're going to lose. You're going to lose the battle. You're not going to gain any victory. And many of you haven't gained a single inch in a long time in your spiritual walk because you're not fighting the fight. You're letting, you're letting things just happen in your life. You've got to show up every, every morning in your life. You've got to show up to your own life. You think about that? You know, when the enemy comes against you, he might come against your children. He might come against your marriage. He might come against your, your finances. You've got to be ready to fight. You've got to put on the armor of God and get in the warfare. Paul said to Timothy twice, fight the good fight of faith. Say that with me, fight the good fight of faith. You have to do that. You have to engage. And does it sound like a lot of responsibility this morning? Just be honest. Are you, are you here this morning? Does it sound like a lot of responsibility? You know, this is a lot of responsibility, but that's not the only responsibility you have. On top of your spiritual life, you also have your emotional life to worry about. How many of you have an emotional life? Some of you should tell your face because you're not smiling this morning. <laughs> How many of you have an emotional life? You know that this carries with you everywhere you go. If you're at work, if you're on vacation, if you are uh, at church, you have your emotional life with you all the time. That's the, that's the soul of man. And you know you have, you have things going on in your soul that sometimes I can't see, sometimes your spouse can't see, but God sees. And these things are often 
burdens to our life. One of, the one of the burdens many of you carry is the burden of past hurt. In your emotions, you're carrying around the baggage of things that people said and people did and how people forgot you and people neglected you. And you remember the day and the hour and the moment that it happened. And that burden, that scar, that wound remains festering and unhealed in your life. And that's becoming a burden to you. It's becoming a burden in, in your life as you try to move on. Every time, every time you try to move on to something new, there it is right there behind you, following you around. And it becomes a burden in your life. You have not only that, but some of you deal with the emotional issue of loneliness and despair. You feel like you're by yourself. And you know, single people deal with loneliness. Are there any single people here? Oh, come on. You be, be honest this morning. Are there any single people here? You know, single people deal with loneliness, but guess what? Divorced people deal with loneliness too. Am I telling the truth this morning? And you know what? Married people deal with loneliness. There's some married people who have been married 20 years and they feel like they're alone. Because there's no relationship. There's no communication. There's no confidence. Now, I'm sorry, but I'm going to get real nitty gritty this morning. Is that all right? So you could be married and be alone. You could be divorced and be alone. You could be single and be alone. Because it's, an, it's a, a sense that you have no one to go to, no one to tell uh, your burdens to, no one to unbear your soul. And then others deal with the sense of not being enough or being inferior. I don't measure up. I don't look good enough. I don't feel good enough. I can't receive love. I can't receive peace. And all of these emotional things come into your life. Some of you deal with codependency. You say things like, I can't live without her. I can't live without him. And they walked out of your life, and you're still saying, I can't live without them. I can't live without her. Listen, if, you, if they can live without you, you can live without them. Say amen, somebody. If they could say goodbye to you, you can say goodbye to them. Let's be honest this morning. They, when they walked out of your life, they were doing you and God a favor because God obviously didn't want them in your life. Come on, somebody. Can we just be real this morning? You've got you to be able to say goodbye. Everybody say goodbye. Listen, if you can live without me, I can live without you. I don't have to carry that burden around in my life. And then you have uh, emotional uh, de issues that men deal with. You know men have emotions too? The guy's like, no, I don't have any emotions. I've never had an emotional feeling in my life. You know every man has emotions. Men's emotions are different than women's. Men don't wear their emotions on their sleeve. But you know, that man, when he's laying in bed at night, he's wondering about whether or not his life is going to mean anything, whether or not he actually measures up. He's thinking about how he's going to make ends meet, how he's going to be able to get all the bills paid and still keep the kids in the, the things that they want. He's thinking about how he's got to try to be healthy so he can live a long time, so he can be there for his grandkids. And those emotional pressures are on the lives of men. You don't see them. They're not talking about them. But they're there. They're weighing, they're weighing them down. Some men deal with father issues. They never had a dad. Or they had a dad who wasn't present or wasn't very affectionate. And so they don't know how to be a man. They don't know how to be a dad. They have a, they have a wife, but they don't know how to be a husband. They have children, but they don't know how to be fathers and how to be dads. They have friends, but they don't know how to be 
a big brother or a mentor in anybody's life because they didn't have that, that, that training. They didn't have that, that uh, person pouring into them. And can I just tell you this morning, if there are men in your life that are younger than you and you're a man of God walking with God, pour into somebody's life. Make up in your mind this year, I'm going to pour into the life of a younger man because I'm tired of having a, a world filled with fatherless men. If, if they didn't have a father in the natural, they can have a father in the spiritual. They can have a man pull up next to them and say, this is how you do life. But many people have, many men deal with that emotional issue of not having had that in their life. And you know, most men can't talk about it with anybody. Most men will never tell you what they're feeling or what they're thinking. They just carry it around their whole life. And it, it, that, that burden is there. And that responsibility is there. I heard one time a man say, I, there are some things I can say in a private place like the hardware store that I can't say in a public place like my house. Yeah, you know, that's how men feel sometimes. Like they can't talk at home. They feel like I can tell my friends things because they'll just think I'm joking if I, if I get too transparent. But if I tell my wife, she might, she might remember and hold it against me later. And uh, can I just be real honest with you ladies this morning? Nobody wants me to be honest with, with them. It's like, Pastor, I wish you would make the altar call right now and just, just leave this sermon alone. But you know, if your husband can't tell you what he's really thinking without you punish him, punishing him for thinking it, he'll never talk to you. If, if he tells you, you know what, I'm dealing with this problem in my life, and you use that as a, as, a, as a club to beat him up with the next time you have an argument, he doesn't trust you. And that's why many men don't tell anybody what they're going through. And they're carrying the baggage of yesterday and today and tomorrow in their life. And you know, on top of all of that, you have the spiritual and the emotional. That will wear you out. Say amen, somebody. You know, one thought can make you tired. One thought can wear you out, and that, that, that emotional responsibility is heavy. But on top of that, you also have the physical responsibility. How many of you, you know you have physical responsibilities? You know, we think about, I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I need to lose 10 pounds, I have diabetes, I have high blood pressure, I have a doctor's appointment, the lady feels a lump, the guy starts feeling more exhausted than usual. You have those physical needs in your life. And you know, those needs, they don't go away just because you wish them away. And they don't go away just because you're tired. You got to eat right. Say amen, somebody. And you got to do some exercise. Say amen, somebody. You got to take all those coats off the treadmill and actually walk on that thing. You have to, you have to take care of your physical life. Because look, what good is having sound emotions and a sound spirit if you're in a, in a grave? You've got to have a physical life. Your body counts. Say, my body counts. Listen, your, your loved ones are depending on you having a healthy body, on you being able to be there for them for a long time. And, and I want to just challenge you to, to be careful with your health. Make sure you get a, a, a physical and a checkup from time to time. Make sure you get attention uh, for your body because uh, God has given us wisdom. God has given us discernment. Men, make sure you have a, a plan for your funeral. Say, Pastor, I don't ever plan to die. I'm invincible. Well, when I'm standing at, the, at your gravesite comforting your widow, she had better have some money to pay for that funeral. That's your responsibility. Say amen, somebody. Nobody wants to hear this, but this is your responsibility. 
And these physical things come on in your life. And then as you get older, here's what happens. Your children start to get older and your parents do too. So while you're trying to figure out your life, on the one hand, you have kids running to high school and junior high and everywhere else. And then you have your parents who need you to take them to the ER or visit them in the nursing home. And you start having to stretch your life physically from one end to the other. And you start getting stressed out. And some of you, if you're real honest, you're tired this morning and you're tired of the people you love. Don't say it, man. Don't say it, man. Just look straight, straight at me. But you're tired of the people you love. Don't act like you've never been tired of your family. Don't act like you ever said, Lord, if there was a little place where I could run and hide right now, I would just go there right now. But you know, they'll find you. You don't even have to have a GPS signal. They will find you. They'll sniff you out, Mama, because people need you. But you see, you have all those responsibilities physically. And then, then you get home, and your wife says, I just don't feel like we spend enough time together. I just don't feel like we talk anymore. And the husband says, well, I don't think we have enough sex. And she says, all you think about is sex. And the young man that's single saying, I just wish I could have some sex. And everybody is dealing with this physical deal in their life. Come on, somebody. We're going to be real this morning. You're thinking about, is this Kingsway Church? Where's Pastor Isaac? You know what the Bible says? Listen, if you're single, you don't get to have sex till you're married. Nobody said amen. I said, if you're single, you don't get to have sex till you're married. And the Bible says, if you can't stand that, then get married. And then if you're married, the only place to satisfy sexual need and desire is in your marriage. You know, the Bible says that many times temptation comes into your marriage because of a lack of sexual intimacy. Those physical needs aren't being met, and the enemy is using that as a wedge between you and your spouse. You've got to wake up. You've got to realize these are responsibilities to your, to your spouse. These are responsibilities to your children. These are responsibilities to your parents. All of these responsibilities physically aren't going to go away just because you pray. You can do 21 days of fasting, and when you're done, you're still going to be married. You're still going to be a dad. Say amen, somebody. You're still going to have to go to work. Say amen, somebody. Your spiritual life does not negate your physical life or your emotional life. And then on top of that, if that's not enough, then you have your relational life. Anybody have a relational life? Some of you are really lonely. You don't have a relational life. Do you have any relationships? Do you know you can't live on an island? We all need each other. Tell your neighbor, I need you. Maybe somebody just proposed to somebody this morning. There's going to be weddings at Kingsway Church this, this year. Somebody just said, I need you. She said, I need you too. So, all right, let's, let's do this. Do you know you need relationships in your life? What does God say about relationships? It says, husbands, love your wives. It doesn't say try to love your wife. It says love your wife. The way Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? He laid down his life for the church. That means if she needs a pickle at 3 o'clock in the morning, you get up out of bed and you go get her a pickle. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk to me this morning. <laughs> love your wife. When she gets sick and, and uh, needs a chicken soup, you make it for her. Or go pick it up at a restaurant. Isn't it amazing? Mama takes care of us while she's sick. Because nobody knows that she needs to be taken care of too. And then the Bible says, women, love your husband. Submit to your husband as the head of your home. Okay, pastor, you're out of line now. This is the 21st century. Well, if you didn't want to be married, you shouldn't have gotten married. 
you want to live single, stay single. But if you're going to be married, there's responsibilities in marriage. And you have relationships with your children. The Bible says raise them up in the fear and knowledge of God. Train up a child in the way that they should go so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. Those are your responsibilities. Those are things that God has put into your life to do. And, and you can pray all day and your children are still going to be there tomorrow morning and they're going to want to eat. They're going to need lunch money. They're going to need help with their homework. Say amen, somebody. And, and even when they get married, they might even move back in with you and bring their three kids and their dog and their cat. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. This is, the, this is a strange culture we live in. And, and they come home and you still have that relationship to deal with. Then you have to be a good brother and a good sister to your church family. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Say it again. We need each other. You need, and then you need to spend time with your kids. Spend quality time with your kids. Listen, sitting on the same couch watching the same TV show is not quality time. Spend time looking each other in the eye, talking, throwing the ball around, playing a game that involves some kind of connection, some kind of communication. Spend time with your children. You have all of these responsibilities. Pick up Bobby from Little League. Drop off Susie from uh, recital. Talk to Betty because her boyfriend broke up with her. And then you've got, you've got your, uh, your wife who wants a date night every week, and you've got to take care of that. And then you have on top of that the relationships where people are saying, you disappointed me. You didn't show up. I thought you were going to be there for me. How come you weren't there when Mama died? How come you weren't there when I needed you? How come you weren't there when I had a flat tire? I didn't even know you had a flat tire, but you expected me to be there when you had a flat tire. Guess what? I can't do everything. I can't be everybody's best friend. Listen. I said, I can't be everybody's best friend. You can't be everybody's best friend. And, you know, we get spread so thin. And many times, some of you are, are sitting at your dinner table on your phone chatting with people who don't count and ignoring the people who do count. Can I get an amen in the house of God this morning? And you, you have people who like you who don't really like you. They don't even know you. And you're liking people that you don't even know and don't even like. And the people in your house need your affection. They need your love. They need your attention. And you can't deal with everybody's pressures. You can't be responsible for everybody in your life and in your family. There's the people God has made you responsible for and the people that God has not made you responsible for. And the people that God has not made you responsible for, you need to tell them, I'll pray for you. I'll see you on Sunday. But I gotta take care of my home. I gotta take care of what counts in my life. Am I talking to anybody this morning? I'm trying to deliver somebody from the pressure of trying to be everything to everybody, of having to be everybody's mama and everybody's dad and everybody's uncle and everybody's sister and everybody's brother. You can't do everything. You've got to do what God has assigned to you. But you can't be you can't be a light on the street and darkness at home. You can't say yes, sir, and yes, ma'am to people at work. And then you come home and you're swinging cabinet doors and you're saying, where's the cereal? And I thought I told you to buy milk. And you're yelling at the people that you love. Relationships matter. God created them. God is a relational God. And he wants you to have healthy, sound relationships. And then as if this was not enough, are you tired already just from thinking about all this? This is all going on in your life right at the same time, and we're not even done yet. There's also financial pressure. And I made this one big because, you know, finances are a big deal. 
are you are you listening this morning? I'm going to rest a little bit if you don't mind. Financial pressures, find a job. Anybody in here need to find a job? Find a job. Keep a job. Pay your bills. Pay your bills on time. Save money for a down payment. Make ends meet. Get out of debt. Fix the car. Fix the dryer. Buy a new refrigerator. My wife wants an ice machine. We need a new blender. We need a new uh, subscription to the gym that we're only going to attend once for the whole year. Billy needs a new tuba. I thought we bought him a saxophone. Yeah, but he decided he's going to play the tuba now. He needs a new tuba. Molly needs a new prom dress. We bought her a prom dress last week. Nope, she had, her friend had the same prom dress. She can't wear the same dress to prom that her friend is wearing. She needs a new prom dress. Chris needs new tennis shoes. Well, I thought we just bought him tennis shoes. Yeah, but those are out of style now. That was two weeks ago. Yeah, but they're out of style. He needs new tennis shoes now. And on and on and on it goes. And then you come to church and pastor says, you need to tithe, you need to give, you need to honor God with your finances. <laughs> Have you ever been tired? And you know, if this is a journey, that means that all of this stuff has to go with you wherever you go. Then you have all these extras. And so you just start accumulating things in your life. And, and this is why I travel light, because I don't know how to handle all these suitcases at once. And you're trying to get through life like this. And, and you're trying to move to the next place that God wants you to go. And you're... You're trying to handle all of these pressures every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Just about when you get it right into place, it's time to start moving again. And God says, no, I want you over here. And so it's like, all right, Lord, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to move wherever you want me to go. But, you know, it's just getting kind of tired. And then pastor calls a 21-day fast. I don't know why he called a 21-day fast right when we're starting our new diet. You can't diet on the fast, Lord. And I just don't understand why this man of God can't get some sense about where things are. Doesn't he know that I just had Thanksgiving and Christmas to survive? And here I am. And then the Lord said, no, I want you over there now. So, okay, Lord. Oh, brother. Yes, Lord, wherever you say, I am your man. Call me and I will go. Send me and I will follow. I am the Lord's anointed. I have the strength of the Lord. And there... There you go, and while you're trying to manage, you're trying to manage all of this, your sister calls you on the phone, and you're trying to get through life. Say, oh, yes, hello. Oh, hello, sister Susie. God bless you. Praise the Lord. How are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. I am so blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disappointed. I'm about to have a praise break right here. And you know, you know you're lying through your teeth, but you're having you're having to just fake a little while because you're just trying to survive. Is there anybody in here that's just trying to survive? Is there anybody in here that's just trying to keep up? Is there anybody in here that feels like you might just be a little overwhelmed? Is there anybody in here that feels like your spiritual life and your physical life and your emotional life can't all stay in balance at the same time? Let me tell you something this morning. God has a plan. Are you listening this morning? I said God has a plan. Did you hear me this morning? I said God has a plan. Do you know what I'm talking about this morning? God has not left you alone. Just wait right there, guys. I'm not ready for you. I said that's the cue. That's not the moment to come up. All right. 
Now I'm really tired because I'm trying to preach a sermon and they got ahead of me. But you know God has a plan for your life. And, and his plan for your life is a five-point plan. Say five-point plan. Say it with me. G-R-A-C-E. One more time. G-R-A-C-E. Come on, give me my word up here. G-R-A-C-E. What are we talking about? We're talking about grace. God has a plan for your life. It's called grace. He said, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a God who is a God of grace. So, you know, I said grace is a five-point plan. Come up here, Grace. Come on up, guys. Now they don't want to come. They're nervous. <laughs> Listen, when you try to do life on your own, you're going to wear yourself out. You're going to get tired. You're going to get frustrated. You're going you're to hurt the people that you love. But when you let God's grace come into your life, the grace of God, the Bible teaches us is two things. First of all, the grace of God is favor from God. How many of you could use some favor from God? The grace of God is favor from God. That means God gives you advantages. Are you listening this morning? God gives you advantages. Are we having trouble back here? Just got to scatter it up. All right. Second thing grace does is that grace gives you help. Grace is divine help for the time of your need. You know, you're trying to carry all this stuff, but God never intended for you to carry it. He intended for him to carry it. You know what he told Israel? He said, you make idols, and you have to carry them around. Everywhere you go, there you go carrying your idol. But God said, you don't have to carry me. I've come to carry you. I've come to lift your burdens. I've come to raise up off of you the pressures of life. Because you see, you still got to have a spiritual life. But when you pray in the Spirit, and you fast by the Spirit, and you read the Word by the Spirit, there's power to do what God needs done in your life. And you need your emotional life. That's never going to go away. But when you serve God in your emotions, then you're able to do those things that God wants done. And you're able to have healing and have deliverance in your life. And you're able to walk with freedom and not look over your shoulder at yesterday because you know I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. I have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you have your relationships, but your relationships are in balance because you're being led by the Spirit of God. And He tells you, don't get involved in that relationship over there. That's a waste of time. You need to focus on this. This is what you need to say. This is how you need to handle this situation in your life. And then you have your physical life. And He says, come here, I'll be your doctor. Come here, I'll give you wisdom. Come here, I'll give you strength. Come here, I'll give you the ability to get up in the morning and to go and do the thing that I am calling you to do. And then you have your finances and your finances become blessed because God is involved in your finances. And the anointing of the Spirit is upon your money so that 90% of your paycheck goes further than 100 ever could. And you start to see God show up in your life. And just when your dryer breaks out, somebody calls you and says, hey, does anybody need a dryer? Because we just have one that, that we don't need anymore. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a God that is able to give you rest. He said, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What about the journey, Pastor? Well, when you go on this journey, he's going to do all the heavy lifting with you. Come on, guys. Everywhere you go now, you have a moving crew. It's G-R-A-C-E. Well, I'm standing right in the will of God. 
I'm standing emotionally healthy. I'm standing financially healthy. I'm standing physically healthy. I'm spiritually healthy. I'm relationally healthy. And then God says, move over there. You say, all right, Lord, I'm right over there, right where you are. Your wish is my command. I haven't lost my mind. I haven't lost my money. I've been making, I've been making an advantage. I've, taken, I've gotten ahead. Some of you saw the stock market drop 800 points or 500 points in a single day, but your heart didn't flutter at all because the grace of God is holding you up. And wherever you go, all the days of your life, he says, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am your God. I am your source. I am your refuge. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the grace of God, the amazing grace of God that goes with you to lift the burden, to make you stronger. You see, rest does not mean that you're going to sit back and not have to do anything anymore. Grace doesn't mean that you don't pray. It doesn't mean that you don't fast. It doesn't mean that you don't give. Grace means that you have power to do it because you have the power of God at work in your life. Come on, if there's anybody that needs grace this morning, stand up to your feet. Stand up to your feet this morning and just lift your hands to heaven and say, Lord... I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm running out of steam, I need your help. If there's anybody in here that's weary or worn out or tired, I want you to come into this altar this morning. I want you to bring your cares to Jesus. Come on somebody, just leave your pew, leave your row, make up in your mind. I'm not going to die tired. My marriage is not going to die because I'm tired. You have an invitation from God. He said, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest.